This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Kill Switch Engage will release their new album, Atonement, via Metal Blade Records, boasting a guest appearance from former Kill Switch Engage singer and current Light the Torch vocalist Howard Jones. Atonement sparks a pyre of metallic mastery. Kill Switch Engage have once again lengthened their legacy while blazing another new path. Purchase your copy of Atonement now at metalblade.com slash killswitchengage. Once again, metalblade.com slash killswitchengage. Merch Table was founded by artists just like you. We've slept on floors, played for everyone and no one, broken up, gotten back together, and taken everything we learned along the way to build a group of people who put creativity first so you can play while we work. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more about our merchandising and online store solutions. Looking for an epic weekend of rock, metal, motocross, and more? Check out Exit 111 Music Festival, October 11th through the 13th in Manchester, Tennessee. Featuring Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Leonard Skinner, Slayer, Deftones, Ghost, ZZ Top, and over 30 more. Order tickets before August 16th for as little as $55 down. On sale now at Exit111Festival.com. Once again, Exit111Festival.com. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... Listen up and you listen good. My name is Brandon Hahn, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mr. Hahn Comedy. And to the left of me... I'm Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And you can see me live on August 16th. That's a Friday at 8 p.m. at Riddles Comedy Club. That's on the south side of Chicago. You can get tickets at JocelynSharp.com. Chicago fans, do it now. And if you want to follow me, Rise to a Fan Facebook and Twitter, Rise to a Fan Official on Instagram. This week, we got Michael Lassard from The Contortionist back on the show. We are here to talk about the band's latest EP, Our Bones, which is out now. It came out this past Friday, guys. Make sure if you haven't, check that out. Pre-order it. Fantastic little four-song record and a real fun interview, guys. So definitely hang in there. And before that, we have to talk about the Metal Sucks news. Guys, it's rare, I feel, like we get a record that gets released that is a mainstream almost attraction and this week this month we're gonna get three mainstream records for us metal fans two i think for the rest of the world obviously number one slipknot number two would be tool those are the mainstream ones and then kill switch engage is a huge one for us metal fans as we all know but the one released this week slipknot we are not your kind has been released guys and uh all of us here at the metal sucks podcast have listened to it diligently and we have our thoughts on there, even maybe kind of a review. So I guess I will go first. I feel that um, it is Metallica's hardwired to self-destruct. It's a safe record. It's exactly, I guess, what you'd expect. There's enough of a little bit of past, a little bit of future, but all very safe. Now, for me, uh, the, the guy that mixed the record is Joe Barisi evil joe barisi and a lot of stuff that he's done if you guys don't know is going to be more on the punk rock side he's done green day he's also done rock bands like queens of the stone age foo fighters things like that so whenever you get a 
guy that mixes it that's not really of the metal world distortion disappears there is no distortion it's clean as hell and this record is clean and when you get a clean sounding slipknot record what do you get vocals and drums everything else is in the back and that's what this record really is it's vocals and drums so you have but to be fair though isn't that kind of what we all think of when we think yeah of that's slipknot? what we go to slipknot well, for i mean see, that's what i feel like i mean don't get me wrong I, me, I respect jim root i love the guy yeah. i love the, the riffs that slipknot provides and i do love the distortion so i understand what pete's saying but i mean but that's I kind like of the meat and the potatoes of it's slipknot. yeah it's always like the chest bumping beat and like the the vocals that we've always yeah it's it's uh, I'm not disagreeing with the mix, but when you make a metal record clean, as we, I mentioned, I akin it to like hardwire to self-destruct. When you make it clean, something's going to stand out. You know, I'm not saying that Slipknot need the Kurt Ballou distortion all over the place, but distortion comes with a lot of metal releases. We expect a little bit of that distortion on, on instruments and guitars. The one thing that I noticed listening is that I know there's nine members in the band. Obviously, when they're recording, it's not going to be sounding that way, but there's always a sense of chaos to the sound. This record doesn't have that chaos. It's got it in spurts. But the spurts are drums blasting you in your face. There are certain songs like Red Flag where I'm like, okay, here we go. Drums. Everything else is in the back, you know? And I'm okay with that. And I, like I said, when I think of Slipknot, like you guys, I guess I think of vocals because I think Corey Taylor is a fantastic vocalist. And yeah, drums. That's their main rapid fire type of thing. Obviously, there's technically, I guess, three drummers in the band. But there is a DJ. There is a lot of other things, layers that you can put in there. I feel that there isn't a lot of layers to the songs. Do you guys agree with me on that or no? I don't know. It's hard for me because I feel like it is what I expected it to be. So it's hard for me to like, it's everything that comes out lately is like disappointing. So I'm just happy to have my expectations. <laughs> like <laughs> Dude. That's just me being honest is like, I was more when things like this happen, when it's some when it's an iconic band and you love them and they are a part of your generational pieces of your life, like you fear, you get to a point where I start to fear them releasing new things. I'm like, I can't get excited anymore. Cause I'm like, Oh God, please be good. Please be good. Please be good. I think I'm traumatized from machine heads last album. So yeah. there's a support group for that. Jocelyn. <laughs> probably yeah, yeah. bring the coffee, <laughs> but it really, I mean, it really was a kind of everything that, has it's come a out. safe. Yeah. Can we say it's a safe yeah. release by them? I, but that's but what I, mean. I feel like that's got a negative connotation. I don't yeah. feel like I don't feel it, like it has a negative connotation because we're talking about a a, a chaotic metal band. <laughs> yeah, we're right. talking about the band that put out Iowa. You yeah. know, yeah. it's like um, where their so, DJ jumped off thirty feet into the crowd. It's, I mean, it's got like a that's, negative comment. The word "safe" has a negative connotation to Slipknot. Doesn't mean this I record is bad. Does I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. If I had to rate it at a five star review, that's what they do on the Metal Sucks Net. I would give it a 3.5. I do enjoy it. I do think it's good. But again, these are elements that I notice from it. Drums, vocals, all over the place. Um, choruses, there's catchy songs. There's, a, there's a, a couple songs that are not at all. I don't know. There's a song called Spiders on there that I'm sure a lot of people will talk about or here that just kind of sounds kind of like a techno song that goes like three or four minutes uh, nowhere before it breaks into, I forgot the next track, maybe Orphans. That was pretty much a, a, a hit. But the point is, is that that's all I, all I hear is the beats, man. Uh, I don't hear the riffs. I don't hear them. I hear the beats, you know, and I think that's on purpose, I'm sure. But it's so clean, man. I, it, everybody's going to dissect a record to a point, a little distortion, a little noise, I think would have made it 
um, better for someone like me. However, I think as Slipknot's fans grow, they're going to want to hear records more or less like this opposed to, because like I said, we're getting older. And, you know, well, so was they. When, so are they. So are they. When, our, when their first record came out, we were teenagers, and now well, we're all like adults. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I get like that they're gonna have a cleaner sound the older they get. I would also like to point out that technology does change the way what we like to hear auditorily. Like think of like the shit from like the where it was like yeah. like, like yeah. it sounds so hey, bad. Come on down to the malt shop. <laughs> like it's so bad. Like and over time, our like we were like wow, what great sound quality back then. But right. as time goes on, like our ear. Yeah, but the mistakes that people made. Um, in those records are why we love them. We've talked about that many times on the show. You're like, all right, well now, Dave Lombardo, you better get that double bass right. And if you if your legs slow down, I'm going to hear it. Like that made it kind of count for something. So when there is perfection on a metal record and there's nine guys that apparently we think are being recorded, I feel the nine guys at this point, and I can say this, are more for the visual live show. I think a lot of these songs live are going to sound fantastic. Right. Better than on record. And that's, that's, cool because that's the whole point is i want to buy a ticket to see the show and know the words and know like you know the basis of the song so i do think a lot of that will happen just like uh you know when i bring up self hardwired self-destruct when i heard uh spit out the bone live by metallica i was like that's what i'm talking about but on record it's clean as fuck you know good song I can tell it's a great song, but live, it lived, you know? And um, I think that's another thing, too, with Slipknot. It's like, look, these guys have gotten better at being musicians. And unfortunately, when we listen to young musicians, we love that passion. We love what they're saying. We love how much they are how much of themselves they're putting into every song. But yeah, you don't have as much fight in you when you've had rotator better, cuff surgery. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes better, though, makes it more simple. And a lot of bands will do that. I know Behemoth did that, and it worked for them. And a lot of like, we don't have to be the fastest, we don't have the best, let's be better songwriters. And I think Slipknot has graduated to that level. I mean, I'm sure this is a perfect continuation, in my mind, to their last album. The, these two stand very close to each other, the great chapter. Um, but again... I'm going with the 3.5. I think it's a safe record. I don't think there's a lot of danger left uh, auditorily I don't even for know us how Slipknot many, fans. But how, how dangerous can you possibly get if you are Slipknot without alienating your entire fan And base? we can go with this right now. We can have this conversation because I personally think that um, they can. The reason that you say that is, and I'm going to go out and say this, Corey Taylor is overexposed. And that's hurting the band to me. It, I am annoyed by how overexposed and too many interviews that guy does. He needs to step back and let there be some mystique to at least Slipknot. I know he does Stone Sour all the time and all his other stuff, but like he should have stepped back during this whole release. He should have just, he's in the media too much. And I think that hurts it because I was annoyed until I went to the store. Okay, let's go get that Slipknot record now. And then maybe I don't have to see another Corey Taylor fucking interview, you know, going on. And I'm not talking shit. I know you're friends with the dude. The point is, is that I, he, I feel that being overexposed with the way media works today and everything being a headline, I think that affects how excited I get about getting the record. I'm like, all right, let me finally get this fucking thing so I don't have to hear about it anymore. We yeah, talk- but what does that have to do with it, like, sounding cleaner? I mean... No, no, that's... I'm saying subconsciously, uh, I feel like it's a safer oh, record because yeah. I feel like I know him more than I should. The mystique yeah. of Corey Taylor, if am See, I allowed to say, is fucking gone. And yeah. that's what is gone. Right? That's it's what's fucking gone, gone. Period. Mick Thompson? I don't know who the fuck that guy is. Well, he still looks like a beast on stage. The whole point of, ma- the whole point of the masks and the thing, the reason I fell in love with Slipknot is I remember the first time I saw Slipknot video come on Fuse on my big screen TV. I was in middle school. And I remember feeling like 
I'm so scared. Are these people or monsters? What's happening? I'm like 13. Like that was the shit. Like, and I kind of agree in that if you're going to be a band that's like spooky and monstrous, like you need to be and spooky monsters don't, don't do E entertainment and, news. And for like, me guys, just so you know, like the lawsuit stuff always bothers me. Like ghost did it perfectly. Ghost actually, when they first came out, that mystique, I think helped them rise and all that stuff. And now he's getting more and more over exposed Tobias and like the lawsuit stuff's coming in. Doesn't seem like it's hurting the band. And I don't think the slip, it hurts Slipknot. I'm just talking for me as a fan is like my excitement level was lower because well, that mystique is gone. The excitement Tools level that mystique. we all, that's what I'm saying. The excitement level that we all had back in the day when we would be looking forward to a new release, we wouldn't hear anything from these guys. Yeah. We wouldn't hear anything from them. No. So, Music so would speak. You yeah. might go get a magazine and you might get like three sentences that somebody got from having a phone call with them three months into making the album. The, like, the, and the other big news obviously tool put out a song but let's talk about that what do we get we get a joe rogan interview with maynard that's it that's it and that's, that's all we want it. and that's all we want dude now we're all excited you know i pre-ordered and most this. of the time they're not even talking about tool or the record yeah and, and we'll go to that song we'll talk to that song next but i pre-ordered this 40 dollars physical copy of an hd thing it was 37 bucks or something like that i pre-ordered it already why i'm excited because there is a mystique behind that that the band still and that record i don't know adam jones barely talks danny carey very few interviews justin chancellor but they still have that mystique. Here's the one thing with Corey Taylor, though. Again, I know him a little bit. Uh, he is a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, I think okay? that. Mm-hmm. He, and, and I think that that can work against you. That also hurts the mystique. Yeah, it also yeah. hurts the mystique. He's such a he nice guy. He doesn't want to say no. He doesn't want to say no. And the thing is, is look, man, I mean, you, you know how some of these internet sites are. If they say no, then all of a sudden there's some trash piece on them. I mean, it's not cool. I get mm. it. I get the one to, like, control the narrative. I can understand that for sure. I mean, it's like, I think he'd rather. He's Silence like, controls the narr- narrative better than anything. But, you're agreed. Agreed. But, but again, this is a guy that's still a fan of metal music, and he loves talking metal music still. Mm-hmm. And he just and he and he likes he just likes conversating. That's how he is. Uh, okay, I maybe maybe I'm saying. wrong. If you guys disagree no, 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 with I me that he's not overexposed, I feel he's completely overexposed. He, I, I, that's I, all I'm saying. I agree because again, it affects the music. It because all I'm saying is, is when you mention Maynard, you go, "What did we get? One Joe Rogan interview." With Corey, it's like everybody. There's so many different interviews, and they're all asking the same questions. Yeah, and, yeah. and let's go with Maynard. And there you're were, watering down each individual interview as you do that. There, there was a, an attack on Maynard with Justin Bieber. He never responded again. He got news across the world. There was a, a couple years back where someone alleged he did like you know um, inappropriate things to a woman. One comment, never heard from it again. I I don't even know what happened to those allegations. They're gone. That's what I'm saying. He keeps it silent. And we we move on. Obviously, anything that comes out of his mouth is going to be an insane news story. Anything that comes out of Corey Taylor's mouth, an insane news story. He's got to know that at this point. Is all I'm saying. He's got to know that at this point. So, to 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 pull the reins back, like too much promotion hurts the band. So you guys tell us what you thought about the new Slipknot record. Email us rise to offend at gmail.com. We'll all check it out. So we'll move on to the next thing real quick. We got to talk about, and that is a new tool song that was released. Also, this record was produced and mixed by Joe Barisi. The guy's a genius. He's great. But with tool, the way he mixes it is because you have three, I guess, people that play their instruments so distinctively with Adam Jones, Danny Carey, and Justin Chancellor that the vocals are in the back. You're going to have everything else up front. And I love the mix of that song, Fear Inoculum. I think that's how Tool should be mixed. I am... 10,000 Days was exactly like that. You had Maynard behind the band. And it and it's such a, a very... Um, 
I don't know, just it's, it's a, an oral feeling of just everything around you. It's the music. a unique presentation and it's more true to what it feels like to see music live. It works for Tool. That's how, yeah. I, and I really like the mix that he did on this song. I really dig this song in general. It's a Tool song. I think a lot of people have said there's a patience to it, but you know, there's a, this is a piece to that puzzle. Who of goes that into record. a Tool song like this is going to be quick? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Who does that? Keep in mind though, guys, they've 13 years is a whole gener- couple generations of, yeah. of people and they just got released on iTunes. There's people right now that are listening to Tool or iTunes, I'm sorry. They just got released on all the streaming services. So there's yeah. people out here that are listening to them for the first time and being like, what is the big deal about Tool? You know, they're discovering that right now. So, to me, I think the song is is uh, exactly what I expected. I expect exactly this kind of uh, more progressive and slow build throughout the record. I, I like. I, I feel like uh, the Maynard moments of of the high uh, the high attack, if I may. I, I said this a long time ago. Are going to be much less like the last Perfect Circle record vocally. His performance. Would you say this? Be, would you say because this is what you expected from Tool that that was a safe. St- safe tool song dude the excitement for tool still here when i paid 40 dollars for a physical copy i got excited i'm like what am i even gonna get in the mail dude i am super excited for this record still and the news stories like i said they're releasing little bits and pieces and all these sites are jumping at it but it's one story yeah so it's one story times 55 sites i'm good with it feels more safe because you have all this information so at the very least the album needs to like come out of left field for you for you to feel like it's not safe and it's been 13 years yeah i mean i'm just saying like for me as a fan my expectations are um i think right on par but my excitement is what i'm talking about my excitement is very very legit i mean like i said these are just thoughts so you guys let us know what you thought about the tool song let us know in the comments below email us rise to offend at gmail.com guys and the last thing unfortunately we're gonna have to touch on we're, we're just overtly broken when it comes to having to talk about the trend of mass shootings, you know, and the way that the the media will pick on something. Um, the El Paso one was horrific on every level. Anything coming out of that story is, is heartbreaking on, on anybody out there. The one in Dayton obviously has been more of a focus for the metal news sites because the gunman was wearing an Acacia Strain hoodie and also was in a a band that was some porno grind band. I don't, I don't know. So porno grind for anybody that doesn't know, it's pretty much just a grindcore band that sings about misogyny and, you know, fucking women or raping them or murdering them, things like that. And listen, this is heavy metal, right? You guys can chime in here. You grow out of this stupid shit. I would never have gotten into porno grind because it just doesn't even make sense to me. But on the flip side, do I love uh, Last Caress by Misfits or Fucked by a Knife by Cannibal Corpse? Yeah. But do I grow out of those lyrics? In, in a lot of ways, as you get older, of course, you know, this perpetrator, this horrible human being, he didn't even give himself a chance to grow out of these horrible things. And he did something horrendous. You know, I, I am very anti any kind of censorship. I am very anti anything that puts a focus on the art form that is heavy metal, which is a very, I don't want to say it, but it's very, it's, it's aggressive. Transgression is part of what it is. It's an, it's an ugly art form. It is ugly. We love darkness. We love ugly. And we know the difference between reality and fantasy. I don't think it's necessarily the fact that we love ugly. It's just that we hate these sparkly bullshit that they, you know, they put some glitter on some turds and go, hey, this is good music. No, it's not. I want something more aggressive. I want something more me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's very metal to me is it's a very there's an ugliness that people expose. Yes. Okay. Yes. In, in that ugliness, there is bullshit. You know, there is uh, sometimes hateful shit, or they just do it for shock, or, or they exactly what I was gonna say, or it's just let's let's shock people, right? Anal cunt was shock. When I was growing up, hey, I was like, this hey, band- that's what I slow danced yeah. to my wife with. Yeah, I know. That's wedding. what I'm saying. Like, 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 it was shocking. My grandparents' 50th anniversary song. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I print out some of the lyrics from the anal cunt records that I have, you know, I'd probably be like, yuck, now. But when I got into you it, when laughing. I was 14, you were I fucking laughed at the song titles and I was excited to buy a 40 album record of stupidity. Yeah. Did I grow out of it? Of course. And that's the thing that I think that I, I don't like the fact that so many people are, the older we get, you can't forget to, that we're stupid. It's only, we're dumb. But you got to understand we, we enjoy it. This when we're narrative younger. is only coming from young people though. Right. They're the ones that control no, the no, social no, no, media. No. They're the ones that control the, no, it's I'm not, not talking true. about old your, people are the ones that are being like, this shouldn't even be a thing now i'm not even talking about i'm not talking about your tipper gores i'm talking about young kids that overreact to everything and that's where all this that's where all this social media shit takes off Mm. it's all coming from people that don't have the experience and the young and the old people you're talking about are people that never understood metal in the first place no if you don't if you don't like it or it's ugly ignore it don't don't let it yeah because we didn't we didn't really say this so it kind of kind of sounds like we're defending him a little bit but no uh, no i'm I'm, I'm gonna finish it no we're we're talking no we're talking about the music not the piece of shit that fuck him Fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. Because of that, there's a conversation now about whether or not porno grind should be allowed. Right. Well, there's a conversation of like, are all people that listen to it dangerous? And it's like, no, not all people would look at this and not realize the absolute stupidity behind it. Or then there's there's always the other conversation of like, what about the message it sends? The message it sends is is fucking stupid. Well, then you can't be twerking to your song at the club either. And there's a lot of of music that says a lot of horrible things about... My favorite Cannibal Corpse rapper is Kill. The time to kill is now. What the fuck? He's not talking about military shit. He's talking about (laughs) killing people. I'm aware of the horror movie background behind that yeah. shit you know but i'll tell you right now i'm 38 years old right now i don't listen to the first three deicide records like i used to they don't do it for me lyrically i might not get it but god damn it i want other kids to go through those phases and enjoy and and have them have the ugliest grossest i was scared of some records that i listened to and i was like yeah get this away from me dude that our genre embraces that and well, I don't give a fuck. And at the fuck. end of the day, how much money is porno grind making? No, dude, it, that's right. another thing is that it's what? probably getting more publicity now. <laughs> yes. Like we're talking about it than it probably ever has, which is what I, I kind of hate. I do hate that I, I we, we do that. But in essence, like... But what, saying, but what our message is, is our message is right. Our message is saying that you cannot justify one thing and not another. Everybody who wants to live in this PC world, that's great. There's a lot of things that we can change as a culture, but you can't justify one thing and not another. You can't say porno grind's not allowed, but then we can talk about other things. You know, we can talk about killing other people. And like, as long as it's not violent, it's against women, it's fine. Like, there's, where's the line? Like, never, every, everything's okay. Just don't support the shit you don't want to support. Exactly. And never, ever, ever let some fucking piece of garbage, like, that guy from Dayton censor everybody else that, that can handle something. And that is not a take on gun control, which we're not talking about. I'm talking about art. Okay. So I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way. Okay. I'm very pro gun. Control. Don't email us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm very pro that it, 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 to me, it's mind boggling that there hasn't been some sort of step to change that. Um, but anyways, ignore that. The point is, is that art is art. Stupid fucking art 
and entertainment, okay? I don't need people to come down on Steel Panther or some dumbass shit. And in essence, that's what fucking a porno grind band is to me. It's horrible music, dude, right? I loved Anal Trump. It's fuck. It's fucking. Read some of the lyrics. It's, it's exactly the same bullshit. It's just not about women. You it's know? like when you go to a shitty comedy show and a comic saying some terrible abortion joke just to say a, the word abortion on stage. It's mm. like, it's like you're just saying like horrible shit. Who cares? Walk away from it. Don't listen to it. So with that, guys, our condolences go out to all the families. We really, really, really pray, hope, and we will do whatever we can in our little efforts to get the message of of healing and just you know anything that we can do as a community to somehow try to prevent this kind of stuff from happening you know we all feel a little helpless for sure um but we definitely don't want those guys winning by getting more attention and affecting um other 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 things such as arts so with that guys yeah Get that out of our systems. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoa. Let's let's, Whoa. let's let's You get... guys didn't get to see the black ethereal ectoplasm cloud that <laughs> came out of me when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> there's things I don't want to talk about. Yeah. There's I things I don't want to talk about, but I also feel like a dick if we don't address. And that, I that I definitely is one of them. So there you go. Responsible Pete. There you go. So guys, let's get into a fun, great chat. Let's get into talking and supporting a great band in music. Let's get to our chat with Michael Lassard of the Contortionist. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter here, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Michael from The Contortionist, and we are here to talk about the new EP, Our Bones, which is coming out August 9th. Now, Michael, welcome back to the show. Our Bones is a um, concept happening during uh, an idea that guitarist Robbie Baco would do at sound checks. So tell us about how it grew from there. Um, so essentially, we tour a lot. Um, that's no, you know, that's no... Uh, no hidden secret. Um, and a lot of the times when we get to play is when we're sound checking, getting set up for the show. And that's kind of when some creative ideas come about. But uh, yeah, we were just on stage one day and Robbie started playing uh, the opening riff to Early Grave. Um, at that time, it might have been in a different key and different tuning. Uh, but I was just like, hey, remember that. And it wasn't until about a year and a half, two years later. We were sitting there and we like to do stuff in between albums just to kind of keep keep our fans happy and keep listeners active. Um, so we sat down, decided what we we're going to do. And we're like, let's do an EP. And the first song that popped up was that riff. And um, we just finally put it together. And that's what Early Grave ended up being. Nice. And now you guys did release uh, the, the first single, as you mentioned, was Early Grave. Also released a video with that. The video does start with a dedication, which stated, we dedicate this to everyone who shared their story with us. Can you yeah. elaborate on that dedication for the fans? Yeah. Um, so over the course of the last five years or so that I've been in this band, it might be a little more than that now, six maybe. Um, since Language and Clairvoyant have come out, um, I've had a lot of people talk to me about their stories and how those albums have helped them, whether it be you know, uh, just drug related issues, personal problems, deaths and things like that, because that's what those albums tackle. Um, and people share those stories with us, whether it be, you know, meeting me after a show or coming to our VIP. Um, that's something that, you know, people shared with me. And I thought it'd be nice for a change to not have the music come from such a selfish place and, do something for the people that have, you know, inspired us to keep going and make music. 
um, and to use my platform for, you know, something a little more positive and to show the listeners that I'm listening. I got to tell you, I do like that you guys have embraced the meet and greet. For people that don't know, you guys do offer packages for fans. I'm pretty sure on every every date that you guys do, um, yep. which which includes like guitar picks, signed um, set lists, things like that. Really, really cool things. Now, how how has this experience been for you guys? And I mean, has it been difficult to make that work at certain occasions for you guys? Um, oh, it's been amazing. It's amazing. You know, you get to you get you get that direct input just straight from the fans. Um, and we, we like to do a thing whenever we do it too. We do the, the Q and a where essentially everybody stands there and we try to take a half hour to answer as many questions as possible, whether, you know, whether it be, you know, who we're listening to or what our ideas are for the next album or whatever the question may be, we try to answer those. Um, for the most part, it hasn't been that difficult. You know, when we go out on tour, this is what we're doing. We're locked in for the day. We get there, we load in, we do our sound check, we get set up, we do we do our meet and greets, uh, we get ready for the show, and we're just we're so used to this grind that you know an hour and a half out of the day, you know, designated to meet and greets and stuff like that really don't affect too much. In any way, do the fans have uh, an effect on on where you want to, how you want to present your music in the future, or anything like that, or do you just feel it's just a moment to just say what's up to everybody? Um, I don't know if it directly affects it, maybe on a subconscious level, because mm-hmm. you do hear people, you know, that'll be like this song and this song or, you know, I love it when you guys do this. Um, and I mean, obviously, Early Grave was directly influenced by talking to the fans. So in some ways it does. Uh, but in terms of like where we'll go stylistically, that's always just kind of we've we've chosen the path of that and we've been uh We've got quite the track record of not really listening to anybody when it when it comes to what we want to do. And it's worked out fantastic, as we brought up the Clairvoyant a couple of years back, um, a record that I think a lot of people just can't stop listening to, just a, a real high benchmark for you guys. And it was a very uh, big growth, though, for you guys between, between records. I mean, a, a logical next step, but you can see that there was a lot of intuition and trust within the band to create that record. Um, but when you're doing an EP format, it, it gives you a much smaller time frame to create. And uh, coming off something as elaborate as the Clairvoyant, was it harder to focus on just specific songs rather than a whole arc for an album? Um, to me, honestly, I preferred it. Uh, it, it. It was a chance for us also to do a thing where it's more of an anthology and each song kind of carries its own characteristic. Um, there's definitely pros and cons to doing the EP. Um, but I, I love being able to hyper-focus on something because that's just the way I work anyways. I like to pick a song that I'm working on and that's what I'm focused on for a week or a month or whatever it may be. Um, so I enjoyed it greatly. And it was kind of a cool experience for us to get that under our belts because um, the time frame was fairly short. I think we, we wrote, recorded and shot the music video all within two months. Mm. Uh, and that was pretty much, you know, and we self-produced it. Um, and then there was some extra producing done by John Douglas, and we engineered a bunch of it ourselves. Um, I produced and edited the music video, so it was very in-house, uh, the whole EP process. So that's, that's a little stressful, but um, for the most part, I thought I've, I enjoyed it greatly. 
Now you brought up that you produced and directed the music video. Is that correct? Uh, edited. edited. So I brought in a director. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had Corey Norman direct it. One of my good friends who did uh, the Language One uh, music video as well. Um, I brought him in just because I knew I'd be wrapped up with the EP, so I needed somebody else to take kind of the the reins on making sure everybody was where they needed to be. Now, um, what is to you the the process of making a video? A lot of guys aren't a big fan of it, but do you like doing the editing process of it more so than? The oh, actual? I love it. You do like the editing process, yeah? I love the editing process. To me, it's like recording music, where it's this big puzzle, where essentially you have all this source material. And then you get to shift pieces around and see what fits. And sometimes you'll have these these moments where certain things fall into place, not how you were intending them to, but they end up being better than what you anticipated. Um, and those are the moments I live for with music and with video or any art that I participate in. Just those things where subconsciously I start lining stuff into place and surprise myself. Yeah, no, I, I completely can relate to that. I think that every like great film and all that stuff, I always tell people like it's, it, it was made in the editing room primarily because you, you get yeah. to a point where you're like, I have to use what I got. So, And then when it works out in a way that you didn't see it at first, but it works out better, there is something yeah. to it. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that completely. Now, one thing you guys did do was um, you did a cover track on this uh, EP. It's the Smashing Pumpkins classic 1979. Uh, the format... Mm -hmm. um, the subtle essence of that song, it works really well with the original material on the record. But tell us about yeah. the reason and choice to do this cover um, for this EP. Yeah, well, I mean, this EP should just be called Songs from Soundcheck because uh, essentially it's it's a song I always sang for Soundcheck. I love Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, they're also one of Eric's all-time favorite bands. Um, and we all grew up with them. You know, they're kind of a staple of the 90s, you know, rock scene. And it was just one of those things where I started, I sang it so much at Soundcheck that Robbie learned, you know, the opening riff. And then it became this thing. We went to the studio and I've been pushing for us to do some sort of cover piece for a long time now, whether it's live or just in the studio, uh, whatever it may be. I just thought it'd be a cool idea um, and something fun for us to just shake things up a bit. And that song just carries, I, I don't, it just carries a beauty that I think, not that is lacking from the original, but I think some people don't notice from the original, just given maybe the recording techniques or, you know, Billy Corgan's got a very brash voice. Mm -hmm. um, so we pretty much did the cover verbatim, but uh, just tried to, you know, use our tones on it. Um, and I was very happy with how it came out. And I just like the message, you know, the coming of age story is always a good one. I do like that you said the brash voice thing because you're right. It's a, it's a much more gentle uh, piece in, in, in essence, like it, the way you guys did it. It's, it just feels a lot more gentle than the original version. Now, you, you did say you're a big fan of Smashing Pumpkins. What to you is their best record, if I may ask? Because I have my pick. Um, I would say Siamese Dream or... I do love Melancholy, so mm -hmm. one of those two, but I, I, I love Siamese Dream. I, I uh, When I go to Smashing Pumpkins, I always go to Oceana for yeah? some reason. All that, right. That's my favorite, man. I don't know. Through the years, I, I, I can't say Siamese Dream is not the best, maybe, but yeah. Oceana seems to be the record that um, I think that maybe I counted them out at that point, and then they yeah. surprised the hell out of me, you know? So That's, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, that's... that's Definitely one that I I think that uh, I think everybody should hear if they haven't. Have you you've heard it? I'm assuming, right? 
Uh, I've heard a little bit of it. Mm. Eric is the is the guy. He's the he's the Smashing Pumpkins guy. He's like he'll he'll sit there. He'd have debates for hours. He's had debates with people at sound uh, at our meet and greets uh, about Smashing Pumpkins and a few other bands uh, that I won't name. But yeah, he's uh he's he's very very invested in Smashing Pumpkins. I think they're a band that shaped his childhood uh, quite a bit. For me, they were in the soundtrack um and obviously i listened to a handful of their albums definitely. but they weren't like the quintessential band for me definitely check out oceana, oceana if you have a chance dude I, I just my recommendation to you but let me ask you this what lead what singer from the soundtrack of your youth and your life would be intimidating for you to cover do you think oh there's a lot mm. there's a lot um because the i mean the only reason i felt comfortable tacking this uh, or uh, tackling the Smashing Pumpkins was because I thought there was a quality in my voice that Billy Corgan doesn't have. So even if I did verbatim, it would have its own life. Um, but there's just singers that I just feel like I couldn't even come close to. Uh, I mean, whether it's like a, a Daniel Johns from Silverchair or, uh, you know, Chris Cornell, mm. like, like you, you name it. There's just singers that you can't, like hearing anybody else sing Black Hole Sun just wouldn't work. Um, it would just sound like a, you know, karaoke. Yeah, I got to tell you, um, I did talk to, I know you guys are currently on tour with Between the Bear and Me, and they yeah. they tackled The Day I Try to Live. And I remember I, did, yeah. I I talked to him and he was like, man, that was like the most intimidating song for me to do. They did a great job. And like I said, it sounded yeah. like them. But uh, yeah. I can't imagine going into the studio and be like, "This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to try to match that song, you know, vocally." Yeah. That's the scary part, man. Yeah, if, if we were to do something like that, we would have to completely flip it on its head and do something drastically different. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, man. I I grew up listening to a lot of music as a child. Uh, my parents didn't really put any reins on me when it came to like my media intake. So I, I wasn't restricted on what I could listen to or watch or whatever that, you know, whatever it may be. So my dad and mom just had tons of cassettes. So uh, I've listened to everything from, you know, Alice in Chains to Aerosmith to Brian Adams to Garth Brooks to, um, you know, whatever it may be. Because as a young kid, I played a lot of sports and stuff, but for the most part, I was always home and sitting at the stereo with headphones on so i didn't to me it never really registered what type of music was cool and what wasn't cool and i just listened to what i enjoyed and that still kind of resonates to this day absolutely what record do you think uh if you had to pick one or two that you would say bonded you with your parents the most your mom or dad who probably um no specific record, but I'd say James Taylor, mm, probably nice. to my mom, uh, just as an artist, uh, because my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad worked about an hour away from where we lived, so every day I would ride with her to drop him off and pick him up, and uh, on the way we would just listen to music, and she would sing in the car, so I would sing in the car, I just thought that's what everybody did, um, and we'd listen to a lot of James Taylor and folk music, Jim Croce, uh and stuff like that nice dude yeah i had one uh i was very young i think i was like eight or nine years old but i remember when i bought metallica the black album my father was like oh yeah we're gonna lay down and listen to this together i think it was part like am i allowed to listen to this music or not but i remember (laughs) 
uh, I grew up in an apartment and me and my brother shared a room. My dad was on my brother's bed and I was on my bread and we sat for the whole record and listened to it. And he just got nice. up. He's like, this is good. You can listen to this and walked away. And I, I was like, it's, it's the one moment I remember where I'm like, I was kind of scared. Like, Oh, am I going to get in trouble? But <laughs> nah, that was the, that was the yeah. one record that I, I had with him. But, um, no, James Taylor on my mom's side, all that stuff. I remember really being fond of him. I should revisit that guy to be honest with you. Oh yeah, beautiful voice. And actually, I would say one of my top three most influential singers when it comes to contortionist music. Mm. Um, mainly because when I joined the band, John, their previous singer, was a very soft-spoken, subtle singer. And when I came into the band, I was like, that's an aspect that I don't do much in my other band, so that's what I want to latch on to. And that's what I want to develop. So that's where a lot of like the, the more subdued singing stuff came from for the contortionists. And when I went and I was like, all right, well, who are some singers I can use as reference for this? And I was like, well, JT, he's got it on lockdown. Um, and that's that's somebody I, I mean, I've listened to since I was you know, three years old to I was listening to him like two days ago. Nice. So you ever see him live by chance? I got to see him live. I live. haven't. Oh. I haven't. I missed the one chance uh, I had because um, I was touring. But when I was a senior in high school. The drummer in my high school band's uh, mom asked me if I could go, and I can't remember what the reasoning was why I couldn't go, but, yeah, I missed my chance there. But I will say this. I will say this. uh, A fan of the band is neighbors with James Taylor. So I posted a video of me doing a little snippet of a James Taylor track, and he goes, oh, you listen to James? He lives down the street from me. And I was like, no way. So the best gift I've ever gotten is – he came to a show and had a picture of James Taylor, which, I mean, he essentially looked like contorted in a ball from when he was younger. And he got that picture signed by James Taylor for him. Oh, wow. There we yeah, go. yeah. Pretty cool gift. That's yeah, best gift. Yeah. Best gift I've ever gotten. So, well, with the experience with the Smashing Pumpkins, and now that we're talking about the James Taylor stuff, do you, um, you obviously would find a joy in covering and recording someone else's music. Um, would you guys be open to do maybe a record at some point of cover songs? I would love to. What my honest thing, and I'm I'm putting this out in the public now. So if anybody steals my idea, it's on my own fault. But what I would love to do is I would love to do three different. I guess you could call them EPs with three songs on each. Three songs from the '90s, three songs from the '80s, and three songs from the '70s. Each one carrying artwork that looks like it's from that time frame and maybe produce it the same way that they did in that time frame it'd be even cooler to take a step further and record it the same way they recorded in that time frame um but we'll we'll see if that ever happens nice dude that that'd be uh, excellent the recording thing would be hard i've i heard now i could be wrong i heard that the actual tape that they use now to record stuff is completely different than the tape, yeah. the analog tape that people used back in the day for environmental reasons. So, I guess it does yeah. have a. That's true, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, that, so yeah, it'd be a little tricky in that sense, but we could at least try mm-hmm. to hold ourselves to a lot of the limitations that they had. Oh, absolutely. I think um, if you guys did analog or anything like that, that, that's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's. I think. I think we've become so comfortable with digital that uh, I think kind of confining ourselves back to those limitations would be a would be a good uh, challenge absolutely man so we recently did on this show um our favorite eps of all time we did an episode what are some of your favorite eps that that bands have put out Ooh, um eps uh 
Seosin, mm. translating the name. Um, to this day, one of my favorite. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's the best vocal performance ever, but it's my one of my favorite Anthony Green vocal performances. Um, I think it was a very for me. It was a game changer in hearing a singer scream and sing. And the drums are very metal driven, but it's obviously a lot more rock based. Uh, so that that album was uh, pretty big for me. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, I'm on the spot now. Sorry. Our number uh-huh. one, if you want to know, our number one was Jar of Flies. That's what we thought was the best one. But, All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jar of Flies is obviously amazing. Yeah. So um, let's see. It's tricky. Now I'm drawing a blank. No worries, man. Yeah. Well, at least I got one, right? Sales yes. Yeah. The That's name. actually a good one. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I remember that. Because if I remember correctly, he did the EP, and then the band got a different he, singer right after that, right? Yep. That was yeah, it. yeah, he left after that and joined Circus Survive. That's right. And then he returned um, with them for... He's been touring with them, yeah. I'm not sure exactly yeah. what the the dynamic is with that. I'm, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm so bad at keeping my finger on the pulse with things like that these days, just because, you know life mm-hmm. um but yeah that that ep was a a really big game changer for me excellent man so uh you guys are heading out for a european headlining tour now tell me about the journey to get to this headlining tour out in europe okay so i mean it's been a lot of times over in europe um and this it's it's been uh it hasn't been as hard as for some bands obviously we have a lot of friends who do well in europe so we've been able to be brought over there and put in front of audiences. Um, but for like people that don't know, essentially when you go to another country, it is starting from ground zero. Um, for whatever reason, a lot of the stuff that, you know, if you spent years building yourself in the States, that doesn't necessarily translate over to other countries. Um, so we've, we've done years for now. I think it's been since language came out, we've been doing, just pretty much touring at least once or twice a year over in Europe um, and just, you know, slowly building their name over there. But to see the growth that's happened over that time, it's amazing to go to other countries where English isn't even the language and they're singing along to all the words. We played Rome, uh, Italy. And when we did language one, the crowd was so loud. I couldn't hear what the guys were playing. Uh, And it's just like moments like that to, fly to the other side of the world and just like have stuff like that happen where, you know, the Coliseums are a couple miles away from you and the crowds, you know, singing every word to one of your songs. It's, it's a pretty surreal moment. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a long road. Nice, man. And now headlining all the way through, there's a comfort at this point for you though, right? That, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a comfort, but it's still, there's a long road ahead of us. Mm. We're very, um, we have a hard time stopping and smelling the roses a lot of the times. So we're just looking to get bigger and better and better and faster and stronger. And, you know, any other thing you'd like to throw in that mix. Um, so we're excited to be doing this. Uh, you know, we're finally getting better billings on the festivals over there. Uh, but we want to keep doing it until, you know, we're selling out arenas because Europe has a very big market for metal and rock bands, like bands like Parkway drive and architects, and you know bring me the horizon bands like that they do big big numbers over there that they probably wouldn't do over here 
Yeah, I do wonder about that with the states in comparison these days. But uh, we're kind of right now. It seems like we're designed to be distracted from from a lot of things. I think oh. to, to focus where other. I don't. I don't want to speak because I don't live in other countries. But I feel like yeah. the distractions lessened. You know, um, and I, I, I think I think you're pretty right. I yeah. think you're pretty spot on with that. Uh, America is a it's, a it's a country of convenience. So if things aren't convenient naturally we will shy away from them at least as time goes on um myself included uh and when you go over to europe it's not it's not a very it's not very convenient a lot of the time some of the things you have to go through to to do stuff um and i think they appreciate it a lot more because you know in the u.s it's it's oversaturated there's so much of everything Mm -hmm. um i think it's a little harder for some people to appreciate things like that if it's not one festival you're going to, there'll be another one. So, yeah, and that's it's funny because not to change too much of the topics, but I was talking to a guy from from London and Anthony Joshua. I'm a big boxing guy because I'm out here in. Oh Vegas. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, shit, yeah, Anthony and Joshua. Anthony Joshua. Just he was shame saying, what happened with Ruiz, but exactly. I think uh, I think he'll come back and win the rematch. I um me I think so as well, but it was crazy because he was telling me that guy's like a king out there, and he's like the fact oh, yeah. that he comes out to America and he's bigger than like Deontay Wilder because his ticket sales were more at the Madison Square Garden than Deontay Wilder's last fight. And, yeah. uh, and I told him, I go, but you got to understand, like in, in London, you guys have Anthony Joshua and a, and a few other guys out here. We have 15 to 20 Anthony Joshua's per sport. We're oversaturated, yeah, it, you know, like we got and over the years, yeah. you, like, like it's, yeah, well, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It, right. Do you see what I'm saying though? Like we virtually have 10 of those guys that we can see on a Friday night or something like that on our TVs or something like that. We're in London. It's an event, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And I feel that way about a lot of our arts or too, you know, music, yeah. bands and stuff like that. So when you say that, I, I totally get that, you know. Yeah. Anyways. And I mean, it's oversaturated to the point where in other countries, if you go to Germany, a lot of the music venues are government funded because hmm. um, they're trying to cultivate art there. If if you're from Canada, you can get uh, you can get grants and they they pay artists to travel. There's there's people who get sixty thousand dollar grants uh just for a tour and they go out on tour and that covers their bus expenses the food all of that stuff because canada's trying to cultivate art whereas in the u.s there's so much of it they don't they don't have to do that and i think i think it it causes some issues and it it, you know it just yeah it is what it is it is yeah it's it's designed i guess like i said to not have us pay attention when the, the you brought up canada one of the craziest facts that i that i read was that when they had their last election 88 percent of their population voted and in our last election that was so you know brutal for a lot of people only 30 yeah. percent voted re- yeah. registered voted and i was like they had 88 percent and i believe it's you know i'm not going liberal or conservative i'm not talking about that i'm just talking about the actual yeah. people that went out to vote obviously yeah. they're less yeah, distracted up there because they can focus yeah. to go and do their voting where 30% or 35, I forgot the exact number, forgive me, but like that means we've got a lot of other things on our plate um, that is designed to not get us to that booth, you know? Um, that's, that's I think, the best example I saw of like, wow, we're, there's, something, there's something off here, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's like a mixture of distraction, a mixture of, I think a lot of people feel like their vote doesn't count. That's a very common theme. Um, and I think, you know, I think even the idea of getting up and going somewhere to cast a vote where potentially they think their vote doesn't count much 
is a deterrent for a lot of people. But yeah, and I think, you know, life is crazy over here. Like trying to, you know, the day to day here is pretty, pretty wild. So you just it's went, easy to have stuff slip through the cracks. Yeah. Full circle, the convenience of it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you can't, if it's not convenient, that's, but that's the design problem that we're all yeah. like jumping at. So I didn't want to bring up, there was some rumors, um, but there has been talks about you doing a solo record. Is that just rumors or is that something you <laughs> oh, really uh, want to do? Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, oh, sorry. It's, it's something I really want to do. Okay. Um, it's something I have been working very, very hard on in the shadows. Uh, when that'll be, I don't know. It could be in a couple of months. It could be five years from now. Um, because my main focus is the contortionist. Um, I'm still doing stuff with last chance to reason. Um, I, you know, I do music videos for other bands in my side, uh, time. Um, so my plate is pretty full. And then obviously, you know, I have family, I have a girlfriend who lives on the opposite side of the country as my family. And I'm always traveling. Um, so life is pretty chaotic and trying to find that time to sit down and do it is a little rough. And when I do it, I want it to be enjoyable and not feel like work. So it's, it's definitely in the works. And it's, you know, I have, I mean, I have hundreds of song pieces and songs and everything else. Essentially, whenever we go to work on an album for the contortionist, uh, a couple of us have folders where we'll just like throw them on everybody's laptop and people will listen through and be like, this song would be great for the album or this one, or let's try developing this or, and we actually have a track on the EP, All Gray, which is just one of those ideas that I had sitting on my laptop. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's uh, the third track on there, and it's uh, it flows really good, the EP. I, I do want everybody, once again, just to remind you guys, August 9th, make sure you guys are pre-ordering this thing. It's well worth your time. Great, great little little segue, and especially if you want something more um, after the Clairvoyant was such a, a great record for you guys. Now, one thing I didn't want to touch on before I let you go, Michael, is uh, yeah. a lot of lead singers, they be, they, because of the hyper-focus on them, they need to get away from people to maintain their sanity. Do you ever <laughs> feel you need this escape in order to completely recharge yourself? Um, I mean, I'm a pretty introverted, introverted person to begin with. Like I said, I spent a lot of my childhood... I played sports and did team stuff, but for the most part, I was always by myself doing stuff. Obviously, I had friends, um, played in bands and things like that, but I enjoy alone time quite a bit. Um, it gives me a chance to focus on making myself better, whether that's, you know, going to the gym or, um, you know, just watching movies and dissecting movies. I do like my alone time. Um, my girlfriend's gotten me a little better with that because i would literally just not go anywhere if i could uh i'd just stay home um so I'm, I'm working on that but it doesn't i mean i'm not like justin bieber or anything nobody's really caring about what i'm doing so i think i'm safe for now nice dude and the last question i just want to bring up to you the the success of the chlorovoyant gives you guys what kind of intuition for the next full-length record I think it's just, I know we have some goals set in place. Um, and the idea is just to get, to get bigger and better and hone our songwriting craft. Cause like, 
it's you know earlier in the band's career it was you know let's be you know even before i was in the band let's be as extreme as we possibly can be which led to exoplanet where it's it's so heavy it's so chaotic but it's also so pretty and soft um and then you know their intrinsic album it's like let's be you know as theory based as we can so there's lots of metric modulations and key shifts language was like trying to bridge it over more towards songwriting um clairvoyant was focused on songwriting and in some ways we're happy with how it came out uh we're always displeased with an album afterwards but that's a good thing because we know what we want to work on for the next so i think it's about honing the songwriting craft and getting better at nuances and just being more clever with our approach um and at the same time, you know, bringing a little bit back of the, the the youthfulness that I think Clairvoyant didn't quite have in it. Exciting, man. Exciting. Any time frame on there? I know it's just been two years and there's a new AP, but are, are, do you guys have a scheduled time frame? Oh, we're what? already right. I, I was literally tracking vocals for a song idea right before I got on this call. And I'm, that's no lie. That's not like me trying to be like, oh, we're always grinding. But I literally got off the bus and uh got on the call but yeah we're working on a thing right now hopefully next year all right we'll at least have it finished i don't know if it'll be released next year but that's that's probably the the main timeline we're going to finish up touring this year and then i'm hoping we can take close to a year off um and you know we're in a position now where we don't have to rush um so see how it goes excellent man excellent well michael i hope i get to chat to you when we're out promoting that record as well man but i want to remind everybody one more time the new ep our bones is coming out august 9th guys make sure you pre-order it europe the contortionist is coming headlining shows i believe starting in venice italy everybody be jealous that's gonna be awesome and uh, (laughs) so europe make sure you guys come check them out Uh, if you haven't seen them live it's definitely a band you never you never want to miss when they come through your town dude so With that, Michael, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you guys for always treating us well and always having me on. Like you're sleeping Stone to all the wood
Sucks Podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
was you like, got your bio out. Um, and we are back, if you guys haven't realized. <laughs> First song you guys heard is off the latest EP from The Contortionists. That song is called Early Grave. Make sure you guys check out the video, as you heard in the chat. Uh, Michael did edit it and was behind a lot of it. Uh, it is off their latest EP, which came out this last Friday called Our Bones, guys. So make sure you pick it up. And the second song you heard is from a band called Infinity Shred. That song is called Long May You Run in their new album Forever, A Fast Life is out August 23rd, guys. If you're into that kind of instrumental stuff, definitely want to check out this record. It's fantastic. And the last song that I played for you guys is off the record that came out this this last August night, this last Friday, um, that I was extremely excited for because it's been so many years, and that is the latest from Strung Out. I know, it's a punk band. That song is called Daggers, guys. Their new album, Songs of Armor and Devotion, is out now. If you guys haven't checked out Strung Out, make sure you do. I'm a huge Strung Out fan. I know it's punk rock, but guys, I don't know. This year, to me, there's just been so much good punk rock. We've, we've promoted a lot there's more punk rock than normal. There's been a lot of good punk this yeah. year. Punk, metal, for us, eh, it's all the same. Yeah. Punk, metal, porno grind. Hey, it's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I'm not no, going to say that. I'm, I'm going to cut that out. I shouldn't say that, right? That's a bad joke. Good, good. <laughs> I like it. Keep it in. Yeah. I'm all about Keep it. Keep it in. Don't censor yourself, Pete. Double down on what you just said. Don't no, pull I'm out. Done. I'm done. <laughs> Don't pull out. I did it. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> And with that, guys, we want to thank you all for your five-star reviews on iTunes. That's all we ask for from you guys on the show. We truly appreciate that. That little click, it, it makes our week, dude. It, we, that's all we want. So thank you guys so much for that. And for all the emails that we get and all that stuff, guys, send them in. Let us know what you think about the Slipknot record tool song, yada, yada, everything, censorship, whatever. We're always fun to chat with you guys in a very collective way. And sometimes you guys change our minds. So until next week, friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.